0: Tonight we begin to look at uh, the uh, religion of Islam. And we've looked in the past at uh, the other major religions in our world today. Uh, so far this summer we've looked at uh, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, and the Eastern mind religions. We look now at, at Islam. And uh, you've got two handouts there. One on the history of Islam that uh, lets you know that Islam is not an ancient Religion like is claimed by those who follow it, but actually did not come into existing. so the six hundred a d and uh, Muhammad uh, taught that uh, he had a visitation from the Ar- from the archangel Gabriel, and uh, Gabriel gave him. The information to bring back the the true religion, the true faith that the Christians and the the Jewish people had adulterated. And not only that, but to also bring the Islamic people back to the place where uh, they had their true religion once again. Because they had gone into a polytheistic system where they believed in many gods. Uh, that being the case, Islam is not again the ancient religion that 's that 's being, that's being per, uh, put forth by by the teachers by the imams by that say that it goes all the way back to Abraham and to Ishmael. They would tell you that that it was Abraham took uh, Ishmael his son and, and offered him as a sacrifice. It was not Isaac, but it was Ishmael, and uh, they have their two holy sites, the Mecca which we 'll talk about in just a little bit, and also uh, Jerusalem, uh, where again on Mount Moriah, supposedly uh, Abraham took uh, Ishmael and offered him there. The uh, Islamic faith have Muhammad as its as its main prophet. It has the book called the Quran, and the word Quran means the word of God. Uh, as it's uh, t- what that teaches the 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 doctrines and the teachings of of Islam. And uh, also on your little paper, you'll see the movement of, of the Islamic faith after Muhammad. In the world today, there are as much as 2 billion people who practice the Islamic faith. That would make it about one-fourth of the world population are practitioners of Islam. Uh, Islam wants you to believe that they are a uh, religion of f- peace. And so that being the case, I want to read to you out of James chapter 3 and and uh, and hear what James has to say about the difference between that which is peaceful and that which comes from the demonic. He says in chapter 3 verse 13, he says, Who is wise in understanding among you? Let him show, good, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in a meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and strife uh, and self-seeking exist, confusion, and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, but those by those who make peace. Uh, the definition of peace becomes very important here because from the Islamic mindset, peace would, would mean that, that everybody is in an agreement and, and there, it, there is no conflict between um, religious beliefs when it comes to uh, the, the Islamic faith. In other words, if you uh, do away with all opposition, then you have peace. The Bible, biblical understanding of peace is that, that even in the midst of conflict and circumstances and even disagreements, uh, a people can have peace because peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ and not by destroying or overcoming uh, those that, that you would see as your adversaries. So it becomes very important that we understand that when the Islamic teachers speak of uh, being a religion of peace, their their thought process there is that peace will come, and they believe that peace will come when all of their adversaries have either converted to Islam or have uh, been moved out of the way by those who are dedicated uh, to Islam. In the Islamic faith, there are five pillars of, uh, of Islam. They are the core beliefs that shape uh, the, uh, the Muslim thought and, 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 and their deeds and, and, and the society that they live in. Um, it can be said that in, in reality, because the Islamic faith is, is mostly based, or largely based let me put it that way, in, in uh, third world countries, that most Muslim people have never ever read the Quran they can 't read it, many of them are illiterate, and so they depend upon their imams the imam is their is their teachers and they depend upon their imams to to help them understand uh, what it means what the Quran teaches about being Islamic and that puts a lot of um, uh, importance upon uh, the imam's teaching and you can have an, a radical imam and you have radical followers you could have a more uh, moderate imam and, and, the, and the followers might not be quite as as radical as, as the others uh, but again it must be said that, that the followers of Islam for the most part do not and have not read the Quran but all of them have been taught over and over and over again the five pillars of Islam uh, and, and they are, they believe that, that a Muslim must fulfill these five pillars of Islam. They must remain in the faith of Islam, and, and, and they must sincerely uh, repent of their sins, and, and if they do these things, then they will make it to what they call jannah, which is paradise. So, uh, they're also taught that if they, if, uh, they perform the five pillars, but they do not remain in the faith, that they, they cannot and they will not, will not be saved. Uh, so you could do all five of these things, but if you're not faithful, and to most Muslims, the, the idea of faithfulness would be, again, to what the Imam has told them that the Quran teaches concerning, uh, what it means to be a faithful Muslim. Uh, which starts with the five pillars, but goes beyond that with uh, different actions. So you can, even, even to the extreme of, do you want to go to paradise? Do you want to, do you want to experience the, the joy of paradise with, with uh, a multitude of virgins stuff? Then, then you must also be willing to give your life, and in giving your life for, for, uh, for Islam, take lives of the infidels along with you. So let's look now at the five pillars of Islam, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna look what the scripture has to say Concerning these different, these different, uh, uh, things in the life of a Bible-believing Christian. How, how do these things apply? What do they mean to us as, as Bible-believing Christians? So, the first pillar of Islam is what's called Shahada. Shahada speaks of the testimony of faith. And that testimony is this. There is no true God but Allah. And Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. So to the Islamic person, they believe that there is, there's only one true God. They are, they are radically monotheistic. Now they haven't always been this way, because as I said, when Muhammad came along, that the the Islamic people, the uh, were and the Arab people were following a, a a multitude of God, but Muhammad said that that the angel told him to bring the people back to a place where they understood that there is only one God, and that God, His name is Allah. Now Allah in in Arabic is the word for God, but. The point is that the Allah, the God of the Quran, when described by the Holy Book in comparison to the God of the Bible described by the Holy Scripture, it's clear that the two are not the same God. And so the claim that when someone says, "Well, when a when a Muslim says Allah," they're they're just speaking of the same God as the God of the Bible. It's not true because because it's not just it's not just in calling some uh, calling God God or calling God Allah that makes him so. He must that God or that that one that you follow must must have the characteristics of the Bible. There are many who call you know even when we talked about Mormonism. They used God and they use the name Jesus, but clearly their God and their Jesus are not the same God of the Bible as in, you know, that, that we find in, in biblical Christianity. So to the, to the Muslim, uh, they believe that there is no true God except for Allah and Allah is presented in the Quran. This is a confession that Allah is the, only, the one and only true God. That Allah alone is worthy of worship. That Allah alone is, is the sovereign Lord who does what he wills with whoever he wills. And that God is, has neither a partner nor does God have a son. So clearly, um, the Islamic faith denies that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It clearly denies the Trinity. It denies that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now they do not deny that there is a Jesus, and they do not deny the Spirit of God, but they do not hold them in a Trinitarian sense. They would say only God, Allah, only Allah is God, and He has no son, and there is no such thing as the Trinity. The Quran teaches this. Um, they they believe that the Christian doctrine of uh, of God as a Trinity is false, and 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 they include. Uh, the view of Trinity in the same category as those who hold uh, a polytheistic view, many gods, or a pantheistic view that God is in all things. The second part of the Shahada is that Muhammad is the true and greatest prophet of Allah. Uh, part of the uh, Receiving of salvation is not just believing in Allah. But you'll notice that in the statement, one must also believe that Muhammad is a prophet of God. It is required in order for one to be saved, not only to believe that, that, that Allah is God, but that Muhammad is his prophet. And that through Muhammad, uh, Allah gave his last and his final revelation. So the final authority is... Uh, to the Muslim is what Muhammad said about Allah the second pillar of Islam is Salat Salat means prayer and to the, to, the, to the Muslim prayer involves confessions of sins which begin with the purification of the body and ends with the purification of the soul There's, it's very ritualistic uh, the, the, the Muslim uh, has prayer five times each day If you're in a Muslim country, if you were even in some place in our country, uh, if you're around a mosque, you will hear the call to prayer put out across loudspeakers five times a day. The first prayer is at dawn as the day begins, and the last prayer is at sunset when the day ends. It is required that they pray. It is required that they pray at these times. It is required that they answer openly the call to prayer that is given uh, uh, by the religious leaders. Um, they have names for the different prayers. Uh, these different prayers uh, are, are, would fall into the category of, of saying the right thing at the right time. Uh, we might put it in the category of chanting. So the second pillar... Uh, for Islam is the prayer, uh, is a prayer a salat, and it is required that five times a day that they would pray. The third pillar for the uh, Islamic people is zakat. Zakat is alms or the giving of charity. This is quite noble because again they are re- they are required to to do something about the poor that are among them. They are to give charity to the poor. Uh, but there there is a catch to this. It benefits the poor, but it also helps the giver by moving him towards more holiness and submission to Allah. So the purpose is not just to take care of the poor, but the purpose is that the, that the one who gives to the poor might uh, gain some benefit from this. In and, 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 and so many ways, uh, this kind of thought has found its way into, into um, neo-evangelical churches where, where you have uh, leaders of these churches uh, teaching people to give to get. If you give, you'll get uh if you if you do the right thing then god will bless you so the the thought even in some some churches today is not that you give out of a heart of love and a proper relationship with the lord jesus christ but is you, you if you want to get something then then you need to give and so it becomes a very uh manip- manip- manipulative thing that you do with god you say god didn't you notice that i gave you something and now god you're required to give back to me that's the thought and so, even we get back to to the Islamic mindset that that uh, part of the reason that they give is is it, it moves them to a place or closer to what they want to be in in a relationship with Allah. Uh, it's a form of worship to them, and all of these five pillars are a form of worship. Uh, and they believe that their possessions are are all of their possessions are purified by setting p- apart a small portion for those in need. They see it like a a pruning of plant or uh, plants or, uh, cutting back and and it actually encourages new growth. So they are required to give two and a half percent of what they've been given, uh, to the poor to meet the needs of charity. So the first three pillars, uh, the testimony of faith, prayer, and the giving of alms. Now we come to the fourth pillar, and that is Sa'um. And Sa'um it speaks of the fourth pillar, which is fasting. Uh, a requirement to, to, to fast, to, to set aside your own earthly desires. And, and this is not just, uh, uh, to them, it's not just uh, something you do as you feel led, but they have a complete month. Of this fasting and a faithful uh, muslim will always uh, be a part of this month of fasting as a matter of fact this month is going on right now as i'm speaking this is the month of ramadan and uh it's an interesting thing that, that if you look around you know in the room here and you if you were asked people 20 years ago whoever heard of ramadan and of course Nobody except for someone who spent some time in the Islamic countries would have ever heard of Ramadan. yet it, it, it's prevalent even in our society today. You see the, the influx and even the infiltration of the Islamic uh, mindset and teaching even an influence uh, in our society today. So Ramadan is the month of fasting in Islam. It's an act of worship where the followers uh, where the faithful follower denies his, his own needs and he seeks Allah. Usually the fasting entails no drinking, eating, or sexual relationships during the daylight hours for the entire month of Ramadan. So for them, it's during the daylight hours. No drinking, no eating, and no sexual relations during those daylight hours. And uh, they set that aside. That, that aside uh, no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing, and the faithful Muslim will do that during the entire month of Ramadan. Uh, they see this as a as a, uh, a principle and, and, and a method of, to to gain spiritual self purification. Uh, they cut themselves off from from worldly comforts and and for a short time. And, and fasting gains true sympathy with those who go hungry. And it, but also in their mindset, also it, it brings them place again, a place where they can become spiritually closer to Allah as an act of worship to him. Well, the final pillar, the fifth pillar of Islam is the the word is Hajj, Hajj, and it, it speaks of the pilgrimage, a pilgrimage that each faithful Muslim must take. This pilgrimage is to one of the holy cities I mentioned earlier. It is to the city of Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia. All Muslims, if they are able, are to make this pillage, uh, pill, excuse me, pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in their lifetime. It involves a, a great sacrifice. Because, again, we're talking about a lot of people in third world countries who do not have a whole lot of money. And they, again, see this as a great act of worship. Muslims must make this this pilgrimage in the first half of the last month of the lunar year. Remind you that the Muslim, like the Jewish people, uh, observe a lunar calendar, 12 months, 30 days in each month. And it is in the last month of the lunar year that this pilgrimage takes place. So you have all these people going to Mecca at the same time each year. Um, and again, they're required to do that at least one time in their life uh, if they're going to be a faithful uh, a Muslim. Uh, there are again very a lot of rituals that go along with this. They 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 do different uh, different acts to replicate to what they believe to be truth. They 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 march around the hills and stuff and and, and, and around the buildings at that time seven times, and they represent uh, uh, Hagar as she's searching for water in the desert with her son Ishmael and and. Uh, uh, they 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 spend that time just really trying to focus up, upon Allah and what He has for them. The Hajj or the the, the pilgrimage ends with a with a big festival and and uh, uh, it's celebrated with prayers and and a big feast day uh, commemorating the end of Ramadan and uh, and and closing out the the Muslim calendar. And so for the faithful Muslim, every faithful Muslim. They must observe. It must be a part of their lives. The five pillars of Islam, the testimony of their faith. They must be uh, uh, the the ritual of prayer, the ritual of giving of alms to the, to the poor, the ritual of fasting, and then finally the pilgrimage, the the uh, visiting of of Mecca. So, what would be the biblical answers to each one of these five things. How how do we look at these five things? And and because they are required for these Islamic people to to be able to have salvation. What were the Bible? What what verses could we use in the Bible to look at something? Well, let's begin. Let's, the the testimony of faith, the Shahada, and 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 the, remember that testimony is that that Allah alone is God and He has no son. And. Uh, and he, and he has one prophet. It's Jesus Christ. Well, what would Jesus have to say about that? About God and, and revealing himself? Go to John chapter 14. And starting in verse 6, we have Jesus saying this. He says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have also known my Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now remember, Jesus said, "You've seen the Father. You've seen God. Why? Because you've seen Me." Jesus here was claiming to his, his his disciples that if they've seen Him, they've seen God. Jesus was speaking of Himself as equal to God, which is completely contrary to the testimony of faith of the uh, testimony of faith of the uh, uh, the Islamic people. The Bible goes on to say that in verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Look what Jesus is saying. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Jesus was saying to his, again to his disciples, he is the same as the Father. Again, completely contrary to what the Islamic faith teaches. Verse ten he goes on saying, Do you not believe that I that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me, and I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works himself. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus clearly in this first part of of this passage speaks of the fact that he and the Father are the same. They are one. Um, Islam would say, God has no son. And Jesus would say... That he is the son of God and that he is God. But Jesus goes on because Islam would deny that also the third person of the Trinity, but Jesus is going to speak about that third person of the Trinity. In verse 15 he goes on to say, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be able, uh, that you, that he may Abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So what's the Bible say about the first pillar of Islam? That is false. Allah is not the God of the Bible. If you go back to James that would that would make that make Islam actually a demonic theology. There's a denial of the God of the Bible. Because the Bible makes it clear that God, the Father, there is God the Father, there is God the Son, there is God the, the Holy Spirit. And any denial of that would be a denial of who God is. So we go now to the second pillar of Islam, which is the pillar of prayer. How could anything be wrong with this pillar of prayer? Remember, it is a ritual to them. It is a requirement. It is something that is done outwardly and openly. It is a proof of to others that you are a, a a pious muslim but what does jesus say about prayer matthew chapter chapter 6 and starting with verse 5 here's what he says he says and when you pray you should not be like the hypocrites for they pray, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the street that they may be seen by men and assuredly i say to you they have their reward Again, the premise behind the five times a day prayer is that it's done outwardly, it's done openly, it's done as a call, it's done ritualistic so everybody will know that you're a pious person. It's contrary to what the Bible teaches about prayer. So Jesus goes on to say in verse 6, here in Matthew chapter 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, he goes on to say, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Again, the chanting and the, and the, the continued, uh, saying the same thing over and over again each day in the, in the different times of prayer. The Bible says that that's not, that's what heathens do. It's not what biblical Christians do. So verse 80 says, therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of even before you ask Him is to be an intimate communion with God where you speak your heart to your father and he hears and he answers it's not to be ritualistic it's not to be done openly in such a way as to draw attention to yourself it's not to to be uh, used to, in, in a way to to use so many words that you convince God it's not to be a chanting time where somehow your chanting makes something happen so the bible speaks to the first two pillars down to the third pillar that pillar Of giving uh, giving to the poor how could there ever be anything wrong with giving to the poor again it's not the matter of giving to the poor it's the heart with which you give to the poor and Jesus speaks to that also in Matthew chapter 6 starting with verse 1 he says take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen of them otherwise you have no reward from your father in heaven therefore when you do your charitable deed do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men assuredly I say to you they have the reward but when you do your charitable deed do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly we don't give to be seen as people who give Jesus said, so you, know, you know, your left hand not even supposed to know what your right hand is doing. We give because we have been given so much. We give as, because our hearts have been t- and lives have been touched by, by the Lord. We give, we give to, to, to bless others as, as we have been blessed. Again, not to prove our piety. And we don't do it in an open way where we sound a trumpet and say, look what I give. Look what I've done. And yet again, the practice of the Islamic faith is again, I do this. I give my 2.5%. I I give it and it proves my piety. And and, and I'm faithful in doing this. And because I'm faithful in doing this, everybody can see that I'm a good Muslim. Well, the next pillar is fasting. And yes, the Bible, in the same chapter, Jesus speaks about fasting. And uh, the whole month of Ramadan uh This matter of fasting is, is done in the eyes of other people. Again, an outward expression to prove their piety. Yet the Bible speaks of fasting this way. In verse 16 of chapter 6, of Matthew it says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may be appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. Again, Jesus tells us, when you fast, it's it's not an open fast where everybody knows you're fasting, and know, everybody knows that, that you're a faithful and you're fasting, and, and a pious person. He says in verse 17, But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to, be, to men to be fasting, but to your Father, who is in the secret place, and... And your Father, who sees in secret, will, will reward you openly. We do not fast to draw attention to ourselves. We do not fast to prove our piety. We do not fast to prove our faithfulness. Uh, this should be to the Father. This should be a desire to spend time with Him, to focus on Him instead of the things of the world. And again, not not just simply so, so we can prove that, that we are faithful to something. And in Islam, again, the fast is about... The demonstration of your piety and, and the proof that you are you're faithful to the teaching of the Quran and following the prophet Muhammad. or oh, the last pillar. The pilgrimages. And you might say, well, how? What is the Bible? Why would, would the Bible ever have anything to say about this? The, this matter of pilgrimage? Remember, the pilgrimage to the Islamic person is a belief that there is a holy place on earth that they must go to. The holy place of uh, Mecca. The, the the place where uh, Muhammad was and where he ascended to heaven, uh, the other holy place for for the Islamic people is is Jerusalem. And again, the reason for that is it is on that spot where the temple was that they believe that Abraham was offering up Isaac as a sacrifice, and God provided the substitute. So, um, those are the two places: one based on Ishmael, the other one based on Muhammad. And they, again, as part of their salvation, they must go to that holy place, and they, they somehow are going to meet God there and be closer to God because they go to that place. Does the Bible teach such a thing for us? Well, and what, what verses can we look at to see that this is not, this is not what God has for us? Well, I would remind you of John chapter 4. And in this, in this chapter, uh, Jesus was meeting with the woman, uh, of Samaria. And she makes this statement, and starting with verse, uh, Verse 20, John chapter 4, says, Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that it in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. So, her emphasis was, there is that holy place that you have to go to. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Now, what's he saying? That we're going to stop worshiping God? Of course not. But it's not the place that's going to be important, or that is important. Verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. Look what Jesus said, the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. It's not about the place, it's about the heart. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. A woman said to you, "I know that the Messiah is coming." A woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called to Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Well, Jesus' own instructions are for you and I. We don't go to a holy place to worship God. We worship God in spirit and truth. We worship God everywhere. Always we're we worshiping God. Always we're we worshiping God. There's not a time in our lives, there's not a place that we're, not, that, that, that we're at that we're not called to worship God. And what makes a place holy is that God is there. So whether we're in the church building or we're in our homes or, or at our job or wherever we're at, we're with friends, uh, if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're recognizing the presence of God in that place and we're, we're adoring him for who he is, that's where worship takes place. So for the Christian, there is no such thing as a pilgrimage. No such thing as a place to go. Yet even in many Christian faiths, that's, that concept is out there. I've been to, to Israel and, and fascinated by the, the number of uh, professing Christians who will go to the western wall in Jerusalem and, and put their little prayers into the cracks into the wall there. And you ask them why they do it. And they say, well, because that's the closest place to God. And that's a ridiculous notion. I've seen people take water out of the, the Jordan River. And I would ask them, why, why have you taken water out of the Jordan River? And the response is, because it's holy water. And, and I say, yeah, that's not holy water. It's filthy water. We don't involve ourselves in pilgrimage to make ourselves closer to God. In reality, our life itself is a pilgrimage. And our destination is not some location here on earth. But our destination is the very presence of God forever. So tonight we looked at the five pillars of Islam. We've looked at the biblical response. And we see clearly that as you compare biblical Christianity with the religion of Islam, that the two are entirely different. And that brings us always to a place of decision. Anybody a place of decision. What will we do with what we've learned? What will we believe? Who will we follow? Who will we trust? Will it be another religion of man? Or will it be... The truth of God's holy word. Will we be biblical Christians or will we be just another religious group here on the face of the earth?